Welcome to Around the Craft Table, a podcast by film students about movies, making movies, and other stuff. I'm your host today, Mitch, and I'm joined by my friends, Jamel, Will, Miranda, and Miles. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Grab some snacks. Welcome to the crafty table. Take a seat. Um, everybody introduce yourselves. Go around. Miles, you first. Hi, uh, I'm Miles. I'm an independent filmmaker and student in Winnipeg, uh, currently going through my degree. Jamel, you up next. Hi, my name is Jamel. Um, I graduated from the University of Winnipeg with a filmmaking degree. I have a focus on screenwriting. Will. Hi, I'm Will. I am currently enrolled at the University of Winnipeg for filmmaking, um, and I like writing. It's pretty cool. Last but not least, our moderator, Miranda. Hi, I'm Miranda. I'm a girl, uh, funny enough, and uh, I'm studying film as well at the University of Winnipeg. Um, hopefully going to do some like editing stuff, and I'm also a media programmer at a museum. And I'm Mitch. Uh, I'm also enrolled at the University of Winnipeg's film program. Uh, I also am a permittee status with IATSE 856. Um, yeah, I try to focus on cinematography and directing right now, but I'm kind of dipping my uh, hands into everything. So you'll never know what I'm going to do next. All right, I'm going to pass it over to Miranda, and she'll take the reins. Thanks, Mitch. All right, so today is our first episode. This is a legendary time. Um, Fun facts, we actually tried to record our first actual episode, like, last week. Yeah, that didn't go well at all. No, it. so (laughs) all of of our uh, files were just too quiet, so we were just like, oh, got to try this again. So that episode is the lost episode, and maybe one day it'll be unlost, but for now, this is the first episode. Um, Yeah, so first off, we're going to start with our exposition segment, where we're actually going to talk about a... uh, article related to the film world that we found interesting this week um i believe well i uh, found it interesting you found mitch found found this article mitch found Um, it really interesting and and if he he wants to explain it to us that would be awesome but i've read it and uh i think it's pretty pretty nifty um pretty nifty conflicts here nifty conflicts yeah okay i'll uh, I'll, jesus christ go ahead all right (laughs) right. we're doing great so far um yeah this is great Uh, we um sorry so this article uh essentially it'll be in our show notes but essentially it's all just talking about the new star wars film that's going to be coming out Uh, it's stated for a may release but i don't see that coming anytime soon uh it's a it's a han solo film that's uh it's a essentially it's his independent story before um, A New Hope or like the original Star Wars film. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm personally, I don't need a backstory. Like, I don't know who the, I guess this, this, this film is for Star Wars fans, but personally, well, I Well, it's like I, with Rogue, it's like with Rogue One, right? Yeah, it was, it's the same idea as Rogue One. Like personally for me, I didn't need this film, but like, I'm excited for it. Sure. Like I'm ex- I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. I'll take it. Like I love Star Wars. I love the universe. I wasn't a huge fan mm-hmm. of the last jedi that's a whole nother podcast but 
this um, this film looks good, but essentially what's going on in the actual uh, article and what's stating is is essentially the film's in a little bit of development hell right now. And for those that don't know, the term is essentially it's just stuck in an endless loop of um, doing reshoots, rescheduling, rewriting of some script scenes um, because they've they've changed from two different directors. They changed from Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, who directed the Lego um, the Lego film Lego movie. Uh, and now is swapped over to Ron Howard, um, known from many of films. He's an Oscar-winning director. Um, and then I guess just with, with scheduling conflicts and some some production releases, it's it's just it's stated to come out in May, but who knows at this point? We haven't even seen a trailer drop. We were mentioning before the podcast. We were talking a little bit about it as well. And usually, first, especially for a Star Wars film, when did Jedi's trailer come out? The the last Jedi trailer. It came out in like like. Yeah, it came out like around it was like a summer. Summer, definitely, yes. Yeah, so like yeah, you'll see a but yeah, not even summer, probably a little bit like it was probably teased earlier than that. So like you'll see a teaser, you'll see something like really early, whereas we haven't even seen like official posters, we haven't seen like anything other than the gist of like, hey, this movie's happening. We don't know when it's coming out, but it's happening. Yeah, the only the only thing that I'm excited for is the fact that um Donald Glover's in it. Um, yeah, like the cast, the cast alone seems great. Um, the cast itself seems like it's it's a, it'll be a solid group. We got Donald Glover. We have um, I'm gonna look up the name, Jamal. If you want to talk about you, you I kind of cut you off, but uh, the cast itself. Here, I'll look up a cast list. Yeah, well, Donald Glover is like one of my favorite artists. I think um, he's a very good. Um, he's a very good actor as well. I completely agree. He's who I'm most looking forward to seeing. <clears throat> Yeah, he was also in for those for spoiler alert. He was in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Um, it's the film's out. It's a cameo, so I guess it's not really a spoiler. But go see it if you haven't. Exactly. Also, why haven't you? Oh, I forgot that he was in that. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. he's in that. It's phenomenal. He's also in Community and a whole bunch of other stuff. But yeah, the the, the actual cast for the Han Solo film is Aiden Altrich. Altrich. I can't pronounce his name. He's um he's playing the young Han Solo. We have Amelia Clark playing uh, Kira. Uh, Woody Harrelson playing Beckett, who in the Star Wars universe is like Han Solo's father he's a very like important figure in the expanded universe which is cool to see him back we have Warwick Davis Clint Howard um and a few other new people we haven't seen before which is gonna be pretty cool like I'm excited for it I just I I, it's 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 one of those films where it just because of terms of events there's just we're not gonna be seeing it for a while yeah so like okay so um I'm super like rusty on the whole Star Wars like new stuff that comes out because I'm just I don't know, but like how long have we actually known about the the this uh, the spinoff story? Like how long have we known about it? In at least two years. They essentially yeah they plan them all yeah, in advance, right? They they plan yeah they've been planning them out since uh, Force Awakens essentially ever since Force Awakens became a new trilogy, um, they've been planning them out and uh, they announced it right at the same time that Rogue One was coming out. Oh, okay, so like a while yeah. ago now. Yeah, and there's like a there's like a Boba Fett movie too, isn't there? Yeah, out? that's gonna be the one after Episode Nine, so the one after um, the next installment i feel like the han film is gonna end up being i know we i know that you mentioned this mitch it's gonna be a i think it's gonna be a rogue one situation where frankly that movie answered questions that i 
wasn't even asking. yeah like the like i for instance again I, having an entire star wars podcast that's on my own that's i know <laughs> that's an entire other podcast but specifically um yeah with rogue one again this is my opinion but uh, with rogue one it was a nice story it was great but for me it was like i didn't really need a story of the opening title crawl of the fourth film you know um it was interesting it was definitely cool to see but like from the beginning of the film i didn't really have any attachment to the, any of the characters again maybe i'd have to go see it again but i didn't really have much of an attachment to any of the characters because i was like well they're all gonna die anyway or they're gonna like there's something that's gonna happen to them where we're not gonna see them ever again because they're not in the original trilogy so they're just gone you know yeah so it was kind of just like well. it was a fun time like it was a good burner movie it was a really good time and i've discussed it with other people as well like i enjoyed it a lot and it had some elements especially it had spoilers for rogue one but it came out already like a year ago but the darth vader sequence in the last 20 no not even five ten minutes of the film is probably one of the best star wars sequences of all time in yeah period it was shot like a because the whole movie sci-fi but that one specific scene became horror the way they shot it mm, it was phenomenal they, and the the fact that we i was also talking with uh about the fact that the entire scene is lit with only using that lightsaber and that lightsaber isn't even a real light it's not a practical it's light cool. it's a false effect that they lit the entire scene with and it's just beautiful yeah and it was just nice because like i don't know the setup for that scene was really good because it was super hectic right you know, the they were being chased by uh, Darth Vader's minions, and um, it was very loud. So explosions were happening, and then suddenly it gets way too quiet, and you just hear creaking, and it's like, oh, what's gonna happen? And then you just hear the breath, and then the lightsaber turns on, and you're automatically like, oh fuck. <laughs> Yeah, like that's the thing is like if the new Han Solo film is like that, where we have tons of moments like that that I didn't ask for, but I'm very excited about that. I'm like, oh, I get to see Han Solo do all these crazy adventures with with um, his father or his like smuggling um, foster, you know, take uh, his foster guardian. Yeah, his mentor. Thank you. I was struggling for a word. Uh, but yeah, if there's cool moments like that where it's like you know he's flying the millennium falcon how he met Chewie, all that stuff like yeah like cool stuff like that that's maybe a little bit more lore heavy sure i'll take it but like if it's just gonna kind of be like oh we all know what's gonna happen because at the end of the day he has to be on tatooine and he has to be in the most sicely cantina to meet luke skywalker like if that's the final frame of the film is um that's the thing is like where does that film end does that film end right as he meets luke skywalker and ben kenobi or does that film end 10 years before or does that film end right when like the rogue one storyline starts it's like where is this film i i imagine they'll leave room to like add other movies or like expand on it i don't think they want to close it off like that and i i kind of feel like my answer is it doesn't really matter because i i don't care like i well i care i care to the point where um Sorry to derail you. I just want it to be a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I want it to be a good film Fair. as well. But I uh, I don't want it to uh, – if it ends to the point where they they kill um, – to the point where they like totally like hat, hatchet the scene from the original trilogy of, of Han Solo in the bar when he shoots Greedo. Uh, hashtag Han shot first. Um, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> he totally did i know he did <laughs> but um but yeah no if, if that's where it ends and then that whole cameo gets ruined or that whole thing gets ruined be- with the new actor that's gonna be to me i don't feel that doesn't fit at all see um this is one of those movies where i hope it takes the 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 root of like 
Logan kind of did. Not in the sense that it's going to be the same movie style. In the sense that Logan is a movie that we didn't really need, right? It's not like what after, we wanted. Yeah, it's after the trilogy, the last yeah. X Men trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, that could have been that. That could have just ended there, and that was it. But then Logan came out. It's like, oh, okay, exactly. I guess, I guess we'll, I guess this is happening. And then you watched it, and it's like, oh my god, that was just a really good film. It just happened to have you know, an old Wolverine and Xavier in it. But as a movie, it just ended up being really good on its own. Even if you're not a fan of X Men. On its own, it's just a good film, and I, I don't know. I'm hoping uh, this solo film is. Gonna yeah, work. I am. I'm also. I'm gonna chime in real quick. Um, I I'm gonna take back a statement. Actually, there is a release date. Their scheduled release date, according to this article, which was dated February, January 10th, uh, their scheduled release date is May 25th. So that's that's approaching real. That's that's really fast. For the Han Solo movie. For the Han Solo film. And so there's no re- teasers or anything yet. There's there's or... no teasers, no po- no official poster, no trailer, no nothing. And oh, okay, because like I I looked it up. And like for the last Jedi, the teaser came out nine yeah, months ago. So, yeah, a long time. Big difference between the two. Yeah. So that so, gives you an yeah. idea of like how different it is. So we have yeah, given the movie came out in November, but or was it November or December? Yeah, it's a big big gap there. Anyway, so I so I think to conclude, we can hazard to guess that this film probably won't come out for a little while, and that the presumed date is probably not going to be what we'll end up seeing yeah it'll probably is, see if i am if i have to estimate or guesstimate it'll be probably a push from like may to i'd say september i think there's going to be at least one push yeah it'll probably be a fall release in my opinion yeah yeah it'll be it'll see probably like okay. a like a september uh, that's, that's right. what i'm saying Oh, yeah, for sure. And honestly, that's like kind of a better month to release something like that anyways. May's kind of weird for movies, in my opinion. Yeah, and no, May's a bad time because that's when Infinity mm-hmm. War comes out. Oh, it'll, yeah, I was going to say it, it. It'll clash way too much. You're going to kill your sales. Yeah, because you don't want to move it somewhere where they're going to have actually room to for people to go see it and don't like because it's all Disney yeah. now, right? Like Disney owns the world, so yeah. they want to make sure that there's like no issues. They basically own us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, pretty much at this point. They do own us. Yeah, Mickey Mouse shows right. up every day, a la Godfather. <laughs> Foreshadow. All right, guys. That was a great talk about Star Wars, um, Han Solo film, In Trouble, and other troubled productions. Thanks. All right. <laughs> <laughs> cool. You're you're welcome. I guess. Cool. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm I'm just beaming. I'm just beaming. I'm just being the meaniest <coughs> host because I know Miles is just gonna cut it out. So Miles, fine. Miles, leave it in. Um, leave it in, Miles. Leave it in. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Do it. Do it for um, me. Okay, so uh, we're gonna move on to uh, our segment called Viewfinder, where we're gonna talk about something that we watched this week that we thought was, um, well, not something we watched this week necessarily, but something we watched recently um, that we just want to talk about. Whether we liked it a lot, or whether we were disappointed, whether uh, we were amazed, or whatever. So um, we're gonna start with uh, Miles. Um, do you want to talk about uh, your viewfinder pick for this week? Sure. Um, my pick for this week is uh, Bob's Burgers. I've been sort of binge watching it, and that is probably one of the best comedies. I'm not even going to preface it with the word animated, even though it is animated. It's one of the best comedies on television. The writing is smart. Um, the use of music, which I 
tend to not like in comedy on television is fantastic. And everything they do production-wise is just um, spectacular, especially their transitions between scenes. Uh, go check it out. Seven seasons are on Netflix, and the eighth is currently airing on Fox. I mean Disney. I mean Fox. Uh, that's it. <laughs> All right. Great. Thanks. Um, yeah, no, Bob's Burgers is really funny. I've watched it at Jamel's house. How does it compare to, like, early Simpsons, though? Is it, like, the same level of, of humor? Or, or it's is pretty, it, or is it's, like... It's pretty, it's pretty close, I'd say. Define early Simpsons. We're talking about prime Simpsons. That period where it was, where, where it was like, good. Where, like, every episode, like, you know every episode is going to be, like, amazing. So we're talking, like, 90, 90 to, like, 99-ish? Yeah, from probably from like season three onward to like maybe season, what was it, like 10? Is that, is that the golden era? I'm not 100% sure. Well, for most of the complainers, that's the golden era, but I would make an argument that the golden era ended around season 15. Anyways, to answer your question, uh, it's up there. I think it's, honestly, I think it's better. Really? Because they're able to do so much more with the production side of things because of technology okay that just when the cop when the verbal comedy is weak the visual comedy is able to be that much better and vice versa does that make sense they also um the okay. thing about the simpsons is they have to rely on current events and pop culture and that's where they yeah. get their content from boss burgers doesn't rely on that really they have their own you know, stuff going on within them. Yeah, they're willing to reference a 30-year-old film that probably no one's ever seen for a joke. So is it on, like, the same level of, like, where Family Guy will make an obscure reference, or are they, like, actually funny? Tina? No, watch, they're Watch some sample clips, like, some Tutina. little scenes okay. online. See how you like it. Okay, that's good. Uh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. They're, they're just really funny. Cool. Just the way they present things. Tina, oh, yeah. Tina's... <laughs> Tina, Tina is yeah. phenomenal. I've I've seen the yeah. I've seen the one where uh, Bob is driving with one of his kids in like the empty parking lot. Uh, it's like it's like the only <laughs> thing I've seen of that entire show, and it was it was like the one of the greatest. He's like, like Tina, turn, turn, Tina. I've, you have lots of time to turn. <laughs> There's only one car in the parking lot, and she still hits it. <laughs> we'll include a couple of selects in the show notes. Yeah. We'll make sure to include some select clips in the show notes. Uh, that's yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Are we are we good on uh, Bob's Burgers? Bob's Burgers has been served because <laughs> he served. Uh, that's because your food. Can 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 I, can I get a pity laugh, please? All right, relax. <laughs> oh no! Yes. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> and this is the last episode Will was on. We're, you guys are gonna talk about it in class. But Will's beside you. He can't join in because he kicked him out. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Sorry, I was just. Um, my mom's just telling me she left some mouse traps in obscure places down my staircase because we're trying to catch this. this <laughs> Anyways. Um, <laughs> 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 she literally comes in she's in like hey Miranda just watch your feet you might step on one I was like okay 
That's so funny. I will definitely cut this out. Oh no, leave it in. This is great. All right, so um, so guys, uh, I, I'm I'm gonna go next uh, with my viewfinder pick for the week. Um, I uh, want to talk about Shit's Creek season four because I'm a really big fan of Shit's Creek. I think it's a really great show. It's a Canadian show. Um, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy, like those comedians, but they're like, they're like the two leads, and then they have um, uh, it's it's co-created by Eugene Levy and his son Dan Levy, and they're both in it. Um, and then uh, you also have um, Annie Murphy as the other lead, and like uh, the the cast is just really phenomenal. Um, the premise is really good. Uh, like the first season is just like so funny. Um, it's a really kind of like, I don't know, Jermel, would you describe it as like, it's just like really like uncomfortable comedy, but like not to, not like. It's, 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 um, it's like really dry. Yeah, it's, uh, very similar to okay. how Corner Gas was. Yeah. That kind of style. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's, yeah, it just makes fun of like, uh, so it's set in a rural town. In, in, um, uh, in Canada. Yeah, in Canada. And it's set in this rural town. Um, this rich family, like the premise is like they, they had like a video store, like the family has a video store, and then they suddenly go bankrupt because like one of, um, Johnny, the, the, um, Eugene Levy's character, his his like assistant, like, uh, like like um, messed with his funds, and he basically lost everything. Um, and then they just abandoned him. So like their whole like all their friends and everyone abandoned them. And then there was just like this one thing that the government didn't want to claim was a, a town that Johnny had got his son as a joke for his birthday one year called Shit's Creek. He bought that town, and they're like, this is the only asset you guys have, so you have to move there maybe like that'll be like where you can stay to like bring yourselves back up so this like hoity-toity family has to move to like this small hick town and like there's honestly like just so many fun characters you can make out of like rural canada it's so good but like i was very surprisingly disappointed with the first episode of season four. Oh, why i was like I was like actually super upset about it. Like Why every though? other season has been like relatively good. They're very short episodes too. They're um they're only like twenty two minutes. Is that with commercials? Uh, without commercials. Okay, that's what, yeah, that's it's what like that, a third. It's just a thirty. It's thirty minute show, with. Yeah, but it's very like um. So it's like it's just standard. Very brief, yeah. Like, a lot of the narratives you know they don't have a lot of time which is why like in the past they've been so funny that it doesn't really matter that they're not super long but have you guys seen faulty towers like the old faulty towers episodes I feel yeah. Like yeah. Have, yeah okay have you seen the episode called the kipper and the corpse where there's like a dead body and they have to like drag it out of the the hotel no no okay if anyone who's listening to the podcast has seen that episode of faulty towers Episode one of season four of Shit's Creek is basically Faulty Towers, that episode, The Kipper and the Corpse, but not funny. So, like, it was an episode that I basically, like, the formula I'd basically already seen in another show, which is actually a really funny show that comes out of, like, Britain. But, um, I don't know. I just felt super disappointed because it's like, we waited like a year, and it was just kind of boring. Well, did 
have you, have you like did you when you started watching it was like do you start season one and then waited and then season two or did you like binge like three seasons because you like picked it up at no some i've point? been like i well i i uh i've been watching them over the last like two years oh, okay so, so i've been watching the show like as it's come out oh okay. so i don't know how the rest of season four goes i'll like keep you guys updated on that but like yeah i've just been kind of disappointed and like it sucks because i really like look up to the show from like a writing perspective because I was like, oh, man, this show's so good. But, yeah. Anyways, that's that's my viewfinder this week. <laughs> it's kind of depressing. <laughs> yeah. But, like, watch Shit's Creek. It's a good show. But, like, maybe not season four yet. <laughs> Skip season four. Season one's really okay. good. Start with season one. It's on Netflix, everybody. Canadian Netflix. Also, probably American Netflix. I don't know. Make sure to include where to watch it in uh, America in the show notes. Show notes. Okay. You can also you can also watch it online. I think. Yeah, but, it's um, on the it's on the website CBC. All right, guys. Uh, so thanks uh, thanks me for that uh, that viewfinder pick for the week. Um, we're gonna move on now to uh, Mitch. Mitch, what's your viewfinder pick for the week? All right. So my my viewfinder for the week is the film on Netflix that just premiered this past December. It's called Bright, it's starring Will Smith and Joel Ellenberger. Alan Berger, Edgar, Joel Edgerton, you mean? Close enough. Oh, sorry, excuse me. Jo- Joel Edgerton. I, I don't know why I was thinking Alan Berger. Alan Berger is the UFC fighter, right? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, close enough. It's, um yeah, so it's like this, it's this, I'm literally reading off the, the IMDb page right here. It's set in a world where fantasy creatures live side by side with humans. A human cop is forced to work with an orc cop to find a weapon everybody is prepared to kill for. Spoiler alert, it's a, it's a magic wand. Spoiler alert, the movie's shit. It's not that great. It's, it's pretty garbage, honestly. It's directed by David Ayer, the same guy who did Suicide Squad. It's funny how like half the Suicide Squad cast is in this film. Um, and a lot of the people who worked on Suicide Squad are also on this film too, which is really, it's just like, he just kept all the same people, but it's like, I don't know. The, the film tries to be too many things at once. Like it wants to be like a, like a gritty buddy cop movie, like almost like, um, uh, there's a, there's a whole bunch of other buddy cop movies I'm trying to think of that it's like very similar to. Um, there's uh, nice guys. Yeah, yeah, kind of like the nice guys, but it's a little bit supposed to be a little bit more edgy and a little bit more gritty, which is fine. But then it has this whole like orc fairy tale world subplot where it's like there's orcs who are essentially supposed to be black people in in um la and then they have like a whole fairies which are like not people but they're not actually like uh, we don't know they don't explain what they are like fairies are just these things like there's a there's one going into um will smith's um like fly catcher like electric fly catcher at the beginning of the film and then he's just (laughs) like oh the fairies and the fly catcher again and he goes on he smacks it with a broom and everybody's like oh police brutality and it's like what i don't understand okay but it's not a person it's a bug it's a bug but it's not a bug it's a person i don't know what the fuck it it doesn't mean it i don't even understand and then the elves are supposed to be like these super high class like extremely overly wealthy rich people that live in the upper town of LA so it's like supposed to be like an allegory for what the LA scene looks like and then there's all the gangs and the gang violence and everything but there's just so many dumb plot lines in the movie 
that don't even make sense. And the whole point of the film is they're trying to go after this magic wand, right? The whole point is there's this magic wand and the magic wand is essentially it can do you can do whatever you can it'll grant you a million wishes or whatever you can do whatever you want it's like a you know it's a macguffin you can do whatever you want it'll fix all the magic and problems it's magic it's whatever shall we define the term macguffin for those who don't know uh, i barely know what a macguffin (laughs) is it's essentially like miles you take i'm a macguffin a macguffin is a thing or a person that uh either does or does not exist who's within the world of the film or story or whatever the medium is whose sole purpose is to drive the story forward unless like a plot device yeah so essentially all it is so essentially all it is is it's just a thing that it's like hey everybody wants this item and it's kind of like the uh, the briefcase. Yeah, in Pulp it's, Fiction. It's, it's it's basically the briefcase, but in Pulp Fiction yeah. they do it differently. Like a, a Pulp Fiction's a whole other podcast, anyway. But bright and anyway, so the title bright basically means if you're what's called a I'm doing air quotes bright, um, you can then use the wand and manipulate it. But if you're not a bright, if you touch the wand, you blow up and you die. So like cool but like there's a whole subplot to the film where they have this they find this elf and she has the wand and they have to keep her safe from all the gangs and the fbi and the elf fbi and the i'm not i'm not even joking that's a legitimate thing in the film it's so dumb and then they have to keep her safe from like the the orc gangs and then the elf gangs and then all this other crap it's like training day but with elves and it tried to be too many things and it's not very good but if you want a fun cheap laugh go for it if you if you treat it like a comedy and not like a gritty action movie it's kind of funny like the premise is kind of stupid to see will smith run around and yell at orcs all day long and say you're not supposed to be here i didn't want to be put with you elf or orc or whatever also the ufc did a really stupid promo with the bright film where they had uh, an orc fight uh travis brown and it's pretty stupid as well so you can check that online it's pretty dumb that sounds but it's a good marketing dumb. campaign anyway so uh Jermel, you're up uh, tell us about your viewfinder pick for this week uh it'll be doctor who it's one of my favorite shows. Um, it's not <clears throat> a recent episode. This episode came out, I believe, in August, late August. This is the season finale of um, the last season, the latest season of Doctor Who. Um, it's called The Doctor Falls, and it's the episode. Um, so a bit of spoilers for people who are <clears throat> planning to watch in the future um, or in the past because time travel. <laughs> um um yeah so it's 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 about the doctor just you know he protects some people (laughs) in a spaceship (laughs) he protects some people in a spaceship who are slowly being sucked into a black hole it's kind of cool because the part of the ship that is closest to the black hole and the part of the ship that is further from the black hole time runs differently in both because of the black hole it is all alt- so people at the at the bottom time flies i mean time passes faster for them than the people closer to the top so because of that um it it, it uh 10 years could pass you know closer to the bottom but uh at the top it's literally only been like a minute 
so anyway, that's a really good concept. And um, the episode, um, you know, without going over every single plot that's line, crazy. it involves the doctor and two of his rivals, um, the master and the mistress. Um, they're the same character, just, you know, different incarnations. Um, so the mistress is the present version and then the master is a past version of the mistress. He, he eventually turns into her. Um, at the end of the episode, he like both of them kill each other. It's kind of it's kind of cool. <laughs> anyway, um, I really liked it because Doctor Who is um, it could be very hit and miss because it is at the end of the day a family kid show. So there's times when it's just really campy and it's just oh okay well there it was there was the episode it happened and that was that it, like it doesn't resonate. But this is one of those episodes where it actually did because he pleads to both his rivals, you know, to stay with him and, 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 you know, help him out for once because he's like, I'm going to die soon probably and you will too. And have you ever thought about that? Like where you're going to die and what you'll be doing when you're about to die? Um, because where I stand is where I fall. And in other words, he's going to protect the people who are under attack. And he wants his rival to finally, you know, stop being a little, a little bitch and help me out for once. <laughs> essentially, is what, essentially what he's telling them. The old version, the master, you know, rolls his eyes and goes, no, screw you. I hate you. You're my rival. I'm not going to help you. But the mistress, who's hearing it for the second time, because she was there before as the master, when she hears it for the second time, it resonates more. And that ends up, you know, causing conflict because it's actually working, you know? Wait, a drama has conflict? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's interesting because it's two characters that are the same character. And so she hears the speech for the second time in her life. And... The second time she hears it, it actually affects her now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, you know, the doctor, as the title suggests, falls. And it was just a really good episode because it was a really good send-off to Peter Capaldi, the 12th Doctor. He has one more episode after this, but this is, in my opinion, the better one of the two, the better send-off for him as the, um, the the actor for the Doctor because it really like encapsulated him. He's very, he's like an old grumpy man with a really kind heart. That's the character that he plays in this one. And he does it to the end. Literally, he gets surrounded in the forest by like 50 um, cyborgs until eventually he gets over overrun because there's just too many and then he dies obviously he doesn't actually die you know without going into too much lore of the show um yeah he, he doesn't actually die and then you know he regenerates blah 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 and then you go into the next episode blah blah, blah. but point is that episode specifically had just really good character moments that that really completed an arc for the master he went from the guy who doesn't give a shit, who hates everything, who hates the doctor, who just wants to cause trouble, and now he's back at the exact same place again, but as a different person. And was was it Stephen Moffat's? Did he write it? Yeah, it's Stephen Moffat's. Um, 
Yeah. Was it the best of his Capaldi episodes? Would you say? Um. Yeah, it's up there. There's, in my opinion, he has two of the best. He has two really good Capaldi episodes. Um. Uh, then this is definitely one of them. That's rough. Well, no. Like, if I were to pick like a top three, this would be like I'd say it would be the top one out of the Capaldi episodes that he made. Okay. Anyway, uh, so that would be my viewfinder huh. because I'm a big fan of sci-fi. So. It's really good. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Will, it's your viewfinder pick for this week. Cool. Yeah, it's my viewfinder pick. Um, I started watching this show on Netflix uh, the other day. Um, it's called Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Um, hey. It's, it's, I'm on like the third or fourth episode, but I started watching it Max because Landis. I was just like going through Netflix. I'm like, okay, I want to watch something. And I, I just see Elijah Wood there. I'm like, this is the greatest thing because I Elijah Wood is like as ever everyone will remember Elijah Wood as Frodo Baggins right from Lord of the Rings um but it's like dildo Baggins haha <laughs> but no but but like for, for me for whatever reason I I think he's like I don't know I don't know why I think he's like not like hilarious but like I feel, I feel like Elijah Wood is just so lovable I I don't know what it is so I'm like I have to watch the show so I start, I start watching this show and it's, I, I have no idea what to expect. And it's, it's, it's actually really good. I, I'm really enjoying it so far. Basically the idea is like, um, there's, it's it actually, I, I still don't have a full grasp on it cause it's so, it's so like all over the place. But basically there's like this guy, uh, Dirk Gently, who has, I guess it, it is a great name, yeah. Um, who has, I guess, what would be like ESP, so extra sensory perception type thing, so he can feel the universe on like another level. And basically, the idea is that he solves mysteries or or a mystery or, or a case or whatever as a detective using this ESP, where he can kind of like put things together and explain things and like solve things without even realizing it he's just kind of like everything is connected and he can just figure stuff out and do stuff because he'll get like a whim and he'll do it and it'll like lead to this other thing and he doesn't really know how he does it he just kind of does it and basically it they, they, they kind of build on that and um him and then elijah, elijah wood doesn't play dirk gently by the way he plays like this other character who gets tied in um so dirk gently and then elijah wood's character uh meet as because of this and they start like going around and stuff starts like falling into place. Everything's like connected and it's like, it's all over the place. And it's just, it's kind of like a, like a, a super long, it's, it's just a clusterfuck is what it is. Um, and I, I, I have no idea really what's going on. All I know is that the show itself is really good and I would have to watch further to even probably begin to explain more about it. But yeah, that's basically the idea is that like this guy kind of like, observes the universe and then is he's kind of like one with the universe it's, it's really weird but it's also really cool yeah it's um it's got like supernatural aspects to it right from what i've seen in like the trailers like other world yeah things kind of but it's not, it's not like like super like far-fetched even it's it's like yeah I, I would say kind of supernaturally but it's not like on the same level as like as like bright where you got like these um 
like basically yeah like it's not, it's not like it's not like that at least based not not based off of what i've seen so far um it's more with it like more realistic but i mean obviously it's like a tv show and like the premise is kind of ridiculous but like um it's it's definitely more realistic even though it kind of definitely stretches reality as far as possible all right thanks will hey no problem all right now it's time for our uh intermission and we're gonna do uh, an episode of 40 seconds with mitch are you guys ready why don't we explain how this works before we uh all right so 40 seconds with mitch is basically uh mitch will select a random person in the podcast so it'll be some random one of us and we'll have to come up with a random topic just on the spot and mitch will uh, cover that topic in 40 seconds as best he can while all of us mute our mic so we don't uh laugh too hard so this is our first time ever doing it. So I'm going to ask somebody. They're going to give me a uh, – Miranda already explained this before. I don't know why I'm explaining it again. I'm just going to pick somebody. I'm going to pick somebody. They're going to give me a topic. I'm going to try to explain it and be funny in 40 seconds. It- it'll be a good time. Don't worry about it. Just sit back, relax, and everybody ready? Miranda, give me something. Um, uh, medicine medicine all right so medicine medicine is a is a is a good time john f medicine the original man the original man of medicine he came out of the woodworks and he was like hey everybody stop getting sick y'all in the fucking past with that shit why why the fuck you getting sick i'm in this cave over here i got my medicine i'm taking these leaves i'm putting them in together with other leaves and twigs and shit and i'm stuffing them in my throat and it's making me feel great so he was like all right i'm gonna take this i'm gonna put i'm gonna liquefy i'm gonna put it in the nile river just the nile river only the nile river and he's gonna take all that water he's gonna be like bayek from assassin's creed orders he's gonna take all that water in, and he's just gonna put it in a bottle and he's gonna be genie in the bottle and smoke on the water and he's gonna put it in and that's all i got that's medicine for 40 seconds and that was 40 seconds with mitch let's uh go to intermission now
Welcome back, everybody. We did a thing. I did a thing. All right, guys. Uh, welcome back to uh, Around the Craft Table after our beautiful intermission with that lovely music. Um, we're going to do our shot for shot segment just to finish up the podcast for today. And uh, we're going to be talking about um, the diner scene in The Godfather. Um, so, uh, Mitch, you're the one who like wanted to wanted to tackle this scene so um do you want to do you want to give a little intro and then we can start talking about it yeah sure so i'll give a little bit of an intro a little bit of backstory so essentially the gist of it i don't know if we've all seen the godfather i assume we've all seen it i i haven't seen it i'm sorry jamal have you seen the godfather oh oh i also have not seen it so that's interesting is, is there just two of us I think there's only two of us that actually seen. Oh, so I'm a huge Godfather. Fan. I'm a big Godfather nerd. Anyway, I'm also a big Francis Ford Coppola nerd as well. Um, anyway, but this the gist of the scene is essentially um, I'll just use actor names or whatever. I'll use character names. So Michael uh, Corleone, he's he's uh, that's Al Pacino. He's essentially put in this um, scenario where his 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 bosses and his family, his brother and his father, they were getting they've been um, attacked by this other gang, and that's um, uh, the the uh, the the rival gang, which is uh, the Salozos, and and this Virgil Salozo, who is the other Italian man in the scene. Um, he essentially there this is them making this is a meeting so this is a peace meeting discussing how they're going to arrange peace and his bodyguard um Solozo's bodyguard is um the new york police department's captain which is captain mark M- mccluskey and he also attacked um his his um he attacked uh michael's older brother uh earlier on in the film so they have some bad blood and michael's actually not going there to discuss peace he's actually there to kill both of them and in a previous scene he was uh a part of his uh his his gang his his uh, mob his his older brother put uh they they've planted a revolver in the bathroom so that he could go to the bathroom during the middle of the meeting grab the revolver come out he's his his instructions are to walk out guns blazing kill both of them uh, point blank and then run out of the actual um of the actual scene but if you play the scene through if you watch it from beginning to end they they search him down he goes in there he's having a discu- discussion between the both of them throughout actually throughout the entirety of the scene he's looking at um he's looking at Solozo and he's 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 speaking Italian to him he's essentially saying like I'm not really gonna budge you hurt my family and they're having a disagreement um McCluskey doesn't know what's going on he doesn't speak Italian obviously and then he decides michael decides all right i'm gonna this is it i'm gonna go to the bathroom i'm gonna kill him he goes to the bathroom he can't find the revolver there's a very extremely high tension panic moment he eventually finds a revolver in the bathroom um he goes back out and instead of killing them in point blank range he decides i'm gonna sit back down and he has this moment where he has to decide because previously um michael a little bit backstory on the godfather if you haven't seen the godfather uh, spoiler alert also for the godfather he was in the marines um and he's not really in this mob life with his father and his uh, older brother and his family this is the first time he's ever killed anybody outside of the marine the marines and he he's sitting there he's debating this he's having this very intense moment and in a beautiful dolly shot we see over the shoulder of Solozo going into michael and he stands up pulls a revolver out and shoots both of the men in the head and then drops the revolver and walks out of the the diner sequence but it's a phenomenal little action sequence a lot of high tension it was the first ever time really on the big screen that we've seen an extreme heavy intense scene like this and it's phenomenal direction by um coppola 
And uh, yeah, so if anybody wants to weigh mm-hmm. in, and I could stop talking. Uh, sure, I'll start. The thing that uh, strikes me about it is how much of it Coppola chooses to play in closes. Closes are typically used often as punctuation marks at the end of a sentence, right? Like they're used to really hammer home a point. But he, Coppola creates such um, claustrophobia with it that um, the whole thing is just, it's just uh, immaculately shot and I cannot remember for the life of me who shot it. It's escaping my mind. He's a huge name and I'm drawing a total blank. Why I'm I'm drawing a blank as well. Uh, I'm gonna look up right now. You keep talking about it though. Uh, yeah, and just just the way that that they choose to to um keep things in close up and keep things from us, the audience, in doing so. Yeah, just punches the tension to a whole nother level than you would have probably gotten had they chosen to play it out in wide shots. Yeah, and um, I think that what I liked about it is we're a little bit spoiled now with that kind of scene um, in the era of The Wire, Breaking Bad, Fargo, all these shows came out with that kind of um, <clears throat> sort of feel to it. So, Sorry, Jermel, if I can, uh, it's Gordon Willis is the gentleman who shot the movie. Yeah, I was just about to chime in. It's, it's Gordon Willis, who's also famous for Manhattan, uh, and also All the President's Men, who are both beautifully shot films. I don't agree with Manhattan, just that's a Woody Allen podcast. We can talk about that another time. But All the President's Men is a phenomenal film as well, also shot by uh, George Willis, and it's phenomenal. But George Willis is an iconic cinematographer. He shot the rest of The Godfather Part Two and The Godfather Part Three as well. Continue, Jamal, sorry. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, to reiterate what I said, um, when the scene starts, you kind of get the feel that, oh, yeah, someone's going to die here. Now, obviously, back then, people probably didn't know what to expect because there's probably nothing to compare to back then. But like I said, now, if yeah. you have a scene like that play out, you go, oh, I've seen this before. You know, they do this in Breaking Bad. They do this in The Wire. They do this in X show, you know, or X movie. And it's it's like, okay, someone's going to die. Why? But if you look at it from a perspective of, like, when it came out, it is very well made in the sense that, yeah, yeah it is very well made in the sense that, it, you feel tension, but you're not really sure uh, why, and you're not really sure um, how it's going to turn out. It's like, oh, is this is a really like intense moment, but what's gonna happen? Like, I, I, I want to see. Oh, he's going to the bathroom. Oh, he just grabbed his crotch area to check for any weapons. That was unexpected. All right, he's going to the bathroom now. Okay. And then he starts reaching behind the the toilet flush thing. And again, if you're somebody who is new to that kind of stuff, you're not going to expect a gun to be there, right? So in my well, opinion, we, that I'm, was I'm a... Gonna, I'm going to 
I'm going to chime in. We do know as an audience, like at this point, we do know that a gun has been planted somewhere in that bathroom. And okay. we also know, we, we know, oh, it's previously explained. Uh, I'm sorry if I didn't clear that across. It's previously explained there will be a gun somewhere in that bathroom. He doesn't know where. He said, well, I believe he knows that it'll be, it'll be on the toilet, above the toilet somewhere. And he just doesn't know exactly where they put it. And um, he does know that he has been, he has been told by his family to do this, to go kill. And he volunteered. He said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go kill for my family. So it's him pulling himself up to that level of like can i do this and can i can i can i overcome my sense of of um doubt to effectively do this and kill kill these these men because they've harmed my family yeah 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 and join this life of crime which in in the 70s especially early 70s late 60s early 70s that's it was very rare and like the beautiful it's phenomenal phenomenal cinematography as well as like you're looking you're looking at all close-ups again you're that sense of intense claustrophobia even like in the bathroom when he goes to pat his hair down again you're looking at him through the stalls you're not right in his face looking directly at him you're looking at him from a distance like you're observing this man have to make a decision instead of you're right in his face you're away from him you're you know you're through looking at him like a peeping tom so he like, sort of reverses that, that claustrophobia a little bit where he pulls you out and still puts you in a tight space just right. elsewhere and then that phenomenal like i said the, the dolly <laughs> over the shoulder into that close-up of just al pacino's face and you get that you hear that new york city subway the subway train screeching overhead and that 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 fume yeah. over, overcomes you of that that just that it's that uneasy just, that that sound yeah, makes, makes you go you, uh like like it's like fingernails on a chalkboard almost exactly you don't you don't know what's going on you don't know what's going to happen next you know that the tension's rising tension's rising is he just going to chicken out is he going to run out of there it does he is he going to is he going to shoot them in the head is he going to die do they know that he's going to do you know, they know he has a gun and they're going to kill him you don't know what's going to happen and it's just it's a very intense moment it's good and use it's of sound this, i i wasn't expecting that but as soon as it happened i'm like oh that's a good call because yeah i don't feel comfortable now because there's this screeching noise in my ear <laughs> yeah, it's a uh it doesn't let you settle that, and then also phenomenal phenomenal use of eye lines as well like he's looking he's not looking directly at um solozo he's looking past him or he's looking at the table or he's looking at someone else you know in the background he's not always looking him directly in the eye and we he is looking in them in the eye he glances at him and he thinks and then he comes back and he's in his own world so and especially with this dolly over he's like we lose that that element of oh we're in a conversation right now he's not we're not on a conversation he's making a decision we're in we're in michael corleone's head we're in al pacino's head we're thinking what is he gonna do whatever solozo and and mccreely say whatever they're to saying it doesn't matter because they're not in the scene as far as we're concerned we're in michael's head and if it was in any other director or any other cinematographer it might have been a completely different scene we would have seen this maybe played out in wides in 90 degree angle shots where everybody's symmetrical whereas with this we're just we're nitty gritty and we're just like the story of this film it's a very nitty gritty personal story to michael and his family and we're right in the face of the action and i love it so much i remember a conversation um it's on YouTube. I'll link to it in the show notes. That was had with Gordon Willis uh, a couple of years ago, and he talked about the conversations that he had with Coppola. And it was I can't remember the order the the conversation went, but it was essentially uh, in one of the hotel scenes. 
in the first film, uh, one of them remarked that the furniture in the place was fantastic, and then the other one said, great, let's shoot it a stop down, which for those of you who don't know means to underexpose things, one full stop on your camera, and and keep it as muddy looking as we can, and the other one, be it Coppola or Willis, I can't remember whom, was genuinely shocked that the 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 former wanted to waste such beautiful scenery and that happens a lot in the first godfather it looks oh it looks like the actual set piece looks terrible like it looks like a gritty gross place even like most of the wedding the wedding it looks it looks beautiful from an extent but when you get up like when you like it's from afar it looks great but up close you can see it's like a, it's like if you've ever heard the expression with a car like if you purchased a car like a, from a distance it's it's a ferrari but when you get up close you can see the paints chipping you can exactly see like, there's something wrong with this car that you know it's it's moldy there's the seats are all wrinkled and they're all like torn apart and it the, the it's it clunks it clatters the, the transmission's all and that's leaking. all you know to do with the the uniform aesthetic of shooting the shooting everything at least to stop down maybe two stops film like too. you know this is shot in the 70s this is film this is yeah this, we're looking at this beautiful cinematography exactly where if it's just and we're coming from the days of black and white too where like gordon willis was trained on black and white and he's coming from that mindset of it's not about um it's about what are we what are we looking at with lighting exposure like the lighting in this scene is phenomenal as well like we're looking at the same thing we're looking at beautiful lighting in the background of the set piece exactly and the neon lights of the open sign these blurred far out distance um lights moonlighting the backside of uh Slozo and michael and then that right. new york city pain behind him and then when he comes right. out even into the um even when we come back out when he comes out of the washroom and he comes right back into the the diner it's the same thing it's just that atmosphere of this that 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 high pressure situation that it, it's like you, you backed an animal into corner and you don't know what's going to happen next all right <laughs> miranda will do you guys have anything to input um i can't really think of anything yeah, I. Well, the bottom line is, I fucking hated this scene. <laughs> I, I feel like that was the goal, right? Okay. <laughs> I hate you for not. I hate you for not seeing the fucking Fair. Godfather. How have you I not mean, seen the Godfather? I um, do too. I have a thing, uh, and it is like a, a total flaw of mine. Um, I can't watch movies that are from that era not because they're shitty movies like they're not, they're obviously good you know from a technical perspective from writing perspective and all that they're good it's just it's way too slow for me i can't i can't I it's, a slow yeah, burn. it's a really slow burn and it is a slow burn again it's a flaw because i'm too used to the pace of our era that when i go back to other eras it's way mm -hmm. too slow for me yeah, it's it is training. Like you have to train yourself, and that's why, I like for instance, newer films with a super long runtime, like Blade Runner, get critiqued, and they say, "Oh, I, this super long runtime of you know, it's it feels like it's so slow." Whereas you stack that up to like the Godfather trilogy, or you look at things that are that are older, and you, or you look at the first Blade Runner. Or yeah, like... you look at the first Blade Runner, and look at how long those films are. Look at how long those films from the seventies and eighties were. 
granted we're all in our in our 20s in our mid to late late early to mid to late 20s it's it's different maybe, again maybe it is just a generational gap too and yeah we have accustomed to newer uh, more faster faster paced editing faster paced run times faster paced storylines but i'm Me a sucker too. for the old school burn of just like let it let a scene play out i don't care i don't care if it's if there's nothing super important coming on screen if i'm having if i need to connect with these characters and if i really need to you know if i need to like soak in with these characters like a really 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 nice like a, like a molasses it's like it's taking forever but it's it's like we're burning with these characters just the same way that we would in real life and the tension's building i love it like it's the same thing with um taxi driver you know scorsese's taxi driver it, it starts really slow and it takes really long time to really get anywhere but when you get into the thick of it and you're slowly burning through these films it takes it takes you to another world and they're the gold that is in within these scenes is why some of these films are the most classic and iconic films of all time in my opinion I completely agree. Um, I highly encourage those of you here on the show, on the panel today who haven't seen it to watch it, and those of you in the wider audience, go see The Godfather any way you can. It's watch so good. Right after it, watch The Godfather Part Two. Three, it's all right, but one. Three, you can kind of pretend doesn't exist a little bit. Three, three. You can three. Honestly, because there is, there is actually. I, this is also something I'd like to acknowledge. There's actually a TV cut of the film, which is the entire first film, almost all of the second film, minus like the last, I think, a little bit of the film, like tying into the third film, and then only like the key parts of the third film, and it's just cut into one film, and it's just called the Godfather trilogy, and it's it's uh, it's. I think the total runtime is just under four hours. It's like four half four and a half hours, something like that. And uh, but, well, it's, but it's all you'd need. It's see, the entire film. It's essentially how I the feel film like um, if the Godfather were to to be brought in our time, it would really work out as a TV series. Better. That's the thing is that, but that's where all these TV series, TV series like Boardwalk Empire. You're looking at TV series like um, like um, oh, what's that new one with Tom Hardy? Uh, Peaky um, Blinders. Uh, Peaky Blinders. Stuff like uh, that. The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, nice. <laughs> 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 Dunkirk. Uh, but like you know, all those like mob mentality from like the Sopranos, things like that. That's where these these dramas and these TV series they got this from The Godfather. The Godfather changed. I mean, The Sopranos literally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's literally The Godfather. <laughs> But it's like this is where if it wasn't for like the originator, which was the which is the Godfather, and, and granted, you could take a look at the Godfather and say, well, a lot of it's taken from things like The Public Enemy, um, and and other you know gangster early gangster films from the 30s. But you know, yeah, the same thing about all films. You know, all films have some sort of inspiration. But with the Godfather, they redefined a lot of this. A lot of the films from the 70s, Taxi Driver, the Godfather series, um, Jaws. Uh, you know, you could go on and on, and you could say a lot of those. Just Jaws, not the others. Yeah, just Jaws, clear. not the other films in the Jaws series. Um, those films are films that we can look at and say, like, oh, well, they're redefining for their genre. You know, they really broke new ground, or they really, if they they took old ideas yeah. and they they essentially burned it. And I'm not actually, I'm not even lying, but in the video clip that you we have in our show notes, uh, one of the recommended uh, uh, videos right next to it is the Godfather explained from. <laughs> That's interesting. Nice. I will. Inc- I'll include that in the show notes as well. Yeah. 
and it's honestly i've seen i think i've seen that video but it's it's totally true because a lot of millennials look at it and say like god like how am i supposed to sit through or i i actually had this with my younger cousin who um i showed him i think it was it was rango it was that animated western film and i should he rango, loved it yeah. and i was like well do we ring Ra- yeah rango and um he i remember no, it's that one banjo <laughs> Kazooie. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you're memeing. What a guy. But it's no, called anyway, Rango. And he loved it. He was obsessed with it. I think he was, this was a year or two ago. I think he was eight or nine at the time. He loved it. So I showed him, well, I said, okay, well, do you want to see the original? And I saw, I showed him the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he like fell asleep within the first like half hour, like 20 minutes. It's like the real story hasn't even started. <laughs> yeah. And it was. It, to it be was fair, like, okay, that's a really fucking long movie. It's a long film, but damn, is it ever good? <laughs> it's yeah. It's a good film. Same thing with all those westerns. Well, I'm getting a little off topic. Yeah, but. there's not a lot of them anymore. Movies that are like that long and slow burny. Like the last set that I saw that's kind of like that was probably like, um, No Country for Old yeah, Men. Like and old, there was the, that other one, the Daniel Day Lewis oh, one um, with the oil. Uh, there will be blood. Um, yeah, there will be blood. Is also there will be blood. Those two are very slow burn movies that are kind of like I've that kind some, of style. I've yeah, more, I've seen. I think that like again, it's a little hard off the bat. I think the most recent film that I've seen that's a little bit more slow burn would be probably like, yeah, I guess other than Blade Runner, yeah, something like um, no yeah. Country. But after that, there's nothing really big, you know. That's know. that like that. Not to like Blade Runner again. Yeah, I've seen. I think another western that I'd see is Hell or High Water. It would also be another film that I'd uh, I'd put into that bracket. It's a little slow, Bernie. There's a lot of sections in that film that are a little. They take time, and even stuff like Drive, for instance. Drive took a little bit. Of, Drive has a phenomenal opening sequence, but it takes. You know, it has some gaps. It has some some dips where you're just given. Um, you're given time to to you know really soak in with these characters and really get in in sit down and say, okay, well, who am I talking to? Who am I looking at? What am I What am I facing right now? You know? Yeah. Put water all over myself nice, just now. Nice. Nice. Uh, nice. <laughs> congratulations. Miranda, Will, do you, I, I, I asked this earlier. Do you have anything else you want to put in? I, Me? I can't really think of anything. I don't know. You you guys kind of said everything I yeah. kind of thought of. Like, I just thought it was a well-crafted scene. Like, I really liked the lighting and, like, um, you know, like, for me, watching that scene, like, now, like, in 2018, I kind of knew it was going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. So kind of watching it I was like ooh that's just gonna happen then oh I was right and like all this whatever and I was just kind of like okay cool it's very like formulaic scene but like back then like that wouldn't have been the case so it was interesting to like see that yeah, yeah I thought it was good you will um I think it's uh interesting to see how it like relates to, like scenes from movies and nowadays where it's you get like the formula right for lots of movies it's going to be built a certain way, structured a certain way. Um, and it's always cool to see something that's, especially something, well, it's also hard to compare because it's from like a long time ago, but like um, that's different. And um, I can't really say I've seen a scene like that in a movie before. Um, and I, I like, I just, I, I like the way it was structured, the way it was shot. And like you were saying with how um, it's about, uh, Michael is the character's name. Yeah, Michael Al Pacino. That's about him. When you said that, I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because um, when I was watching it, for whatever reason, I it's like I, that that guy sitting on the side. I didn't even notice. Oh, yeah. I didn't notice he was there 
until he was leaving to go to the bathroom. And it's like really weird. It gives you an idea of like yeah, where he was looking. Yeah, he's the he's the police captain. Yeah, and and then in not only that, but we're we're introduced to him in a very violent way. Like he assaults um, Michael's older brother too. So like he Michael has beef with both of these guys. And again, in the hands of a different director, he would that or he or she would have looked at that scene and said, okay, well we got to really emphasize the power levels and the struggles and and how much they like you know the revenge motive and this. But with Coppola and willis by extent they they both they focus on his not even physical presence but his emotional presence and who is he as a person he's making this massive decision to say oh my god i'm gonna follow in the footsteps of my family i'm gonna join my family's you know this is me officially joining the the, the mob and this is me doing my first ever hit this is me killing people that have not that i didn't kill anyone like you know this is me killing someone outside of the army and like you don't and like what I was saying is about like you don't really see something like that. Like you you don't see like that kind of thing in a lot of stuff nowadays. And like they kind of follow the formulas that like they in in stuff that I've seen, maybe I'm watching movies and TV shows that maybe are on the same level, which is probably what it is, but like we don't always have that kind of that kind of thought put into it and they can't always take out that kind of information and like that kind of uh character development and that sort of thing. From like a from like a setup anymore from certain things, um, because like you described uh, the way it's done, you can like you can get a lot of information from it. But I feel like nowadays with some things, maybe just things that I watch, like I said, um, it's like put the camera here, film it, and then do a couple like reverses, and that's it. While with that scene, it's like it's thoroughly thought out. I feel. Yeah, there's also a phenomenal. If you guys are into Cinefix, the um, the YouTube channel as well, they did a great breakdown of this scene. Um, I'll try and find the link. We'll throw it in the show notes. But uh, it's they did a phenomenal breakdown of the actual scene, and they uh, if it, it makes a lot more sense again if you've seen the film. But even if you haven't seen the film, they really they show off every angle and they show off the importance of everything. But I can go on and on forever about this scene, let alone the scene, but the Godfather itself is just one of my favorite. All right, well. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. And uh, we'll be back next week with some more things about films. All right. We'll sign off, everyone. Bye. Bye, Bye, everybody. See ya. Hey everyone, it's Miles from the Around the Craft Table team, and you've just heard episode one. This week's episode was produced at SoundLogic Studios. It was directed, executive produced, and moderated by Miranda Moroge. It was edited and executive produced by Miles A. Taylor, hosted and produced by Mitchell Rear, and featured segments from producers Will Klippenstein, Jermel Pasqua, Miles A. Taylor, Mitchell Rear, and Miranda Moroge. It also featured music from Lakey Inspired and Mount Dre. Links to their music will be posted in the show notes. As for us, you can find us on social media at Around the Craft Table on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode and stick around for more.